of the room here in future weeks. And finally, it's already been announced before we started tonight, but uh, we are now posting song lyrics electronically, uh, say paper and trees, and to, to allow you guys to just access them on your phone, you just text the number that Scott has and uh, you'll get them right up. You know, Word of God does not return void, and, and so to everything we sing is the truth of God himself, and it's really important that you, you learn those words and hear those words and sing along with those words. So don't make sure you, you text them and uh, sing with us. The Lord appreciates it. And, of course, we are going to be taught. You know, I love humor in teaching because when you laugh and then the Word of God nails you, there's no better method for me personally. And that's one of the things I really appreciate by, about Pastor Scott. Would you give him a big round of applause as he teaches us? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you know, I love meeting outside. Um, definitely the times have changed and things are a little bit different. But uh, let me introduce myself first. I'm Scott. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. And I'm in recovery from sex addiction and compulsive overeating. Hey, the things I love about meeting outside is uh, the fact that uh, we've got kids. And I'm totally cool with kids. I've got five of them in my home. They're, they're out, they're playing, and I love that. And so if that bothers you, move to the other side where they're not at. But that's, I'm just excited. We've got little kids here, and uh, we were able to provide a place for moms to come and, and get some help. And then... Um, I'm also excited that our readers had a chance to warm up the crowd for me. So uh, good opening act. That was awesome. Well done. Well done. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I do, I do want to talk to you tonight because there's a few core values that we love around here at Celebrate Recovery. And we've already kind of talked about them already. Uh, some of those things that we've talked about have uh, been grace. Um, we talked about that two weeks ago, right? Some of those things like we're going to talk about tonight is safety, and uh, that's what I want to discuss because safety is key. Safety is going to be key in our recovery, in our journey, in our process to get healthy, to follow Christ. Safety has to be one of the number one things that happens in our life, and uh, there's a great story in Scripture that I love, and uh, the more I thought about that this week, I kept returning to this story, and it's found in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 through 5, and it's uh, pretty brief, but I just want to read this to you, and it says this, as soon as he, David, had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul, and Saul looked him uh, took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of that robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him so that Saul set him over um, the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people, and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And I love this passage because it says that they were knit together by, at their soul. There was a bond that happened between these two people that could not be broken. And we see that later. There was not jealousy. There wasn't jealousy. There wasn't anger. There wasn't rage. There wasn't all these things that so much come in my relationships with other people. 
And what we find is the fact that they loved each other as themselves. They took care of each other. David at one point says, dude, your dad wants to kill me. And Jonathan, living in denial about this, was like, nah, bro, you're safe. I got your back. We're good. And next thing we know, there's being a spear hucked across the room. And Jonathan's like, yeah, you're probably right. You better go. You better go. Uh, <laughs> They had each other's back. They took care of each other. They loved each other. See, I did not know how to have relationships like that. Growing up, I had great friends. I had one close friend pretty much all my grades. So kindergarten through uh, probably eighth grade, I had one best friend. And we probably could have been described as knit together. But the problem is we didn't go deep into the things of Christ together. I mean, we played G.I. Joe's together. G.I. Joe's was my toys. We played video games together. I remember him coming over to my house on Saturday mornings and we'd go get Mr. T's. We'd go to the little mini mart around the corner and play video games. We'd play Double, uh, Double Dragon. If you guys are gamers, you guys know what that is. That's a legit game, by the way, just saying. And uh, we'd have fun doing all kinds of stuff, skateboarding, riding bikes. We had a blast. We'd go out to his house and he lived out in uh, the country and we'd play and shoot BB guns and not at each other. Um, We got in trouble a lot. Um, A lot of uh, skinned knees from riding bikes and falling. A lot of things happened. Uh, He was the the friend that when my mom had a nervous breakdown and I wasn't attending church, he was the guy that would come by and pick me up and take me to church at First Baptist at the time. And we had a great time together. He transferred schools and And our bond kind of broke a little bit, and uh, I didn't have a great picker. And so as I would uh, dive deep into my addiction of sexual addiction, and the guilt and shame would fall upon me, I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know how to handle it. And so I took people who said, hey, I'm spiritual, I'm good, I'm a leader, confess your sins to me, everything's all right. And I would go and I'd confess my sin at church, and I was handed with a Bible verse and go and sin no more. I know you guys have heard that before. I was at a Christian camp before and I remember confessing my sin and them looking at me and like, all right, thank you. Like they did not know what to do with it. They did not know how to handle the fact that I was a sinner and what I left those relationships with, those confessions with was that I was a worthless person. Even my sin that I tried to expose would be found keeping me an outsider. I found that it was something we don't talk about, so stuff it and keep it to yourself. Present yourself as as holy and perfect and righteousness, but those secret sins, you don't tell anybody. Why? Because you're found with rejection and over-spiritualization and all those things. I remember uh, being discipled by a guy and us driving up to Knight's Ferry and us having a serious long talk and I was feeling close to him and, and I was like, hey, and I confessed my sin. He dropped me off at my house, and he never talked to me again. The abandonment that came with me trying to confess my sin to others is what I was found. I found it was unsafe. I went to uh, Liberty University, a great Christian college, and I remember the freshman orientation, and it was basically, hey, here's the deal, here's all the rules, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Always got to wear a tie in a building, Always got to have slacks on, all these wonderful rules and regulations. Hey, if you get caught, 
uh, drinking, you'll get uh, suspension for a period of time. If you got caught doing drugs, you'll get suspension for a time. If you got, get caught looking at porn, you're kicked out of school. It was an unsafe place for me. I did not know what to do. I found people on campus that I could slowly begin to trust, and it was one of those things, like you just kind of put your toe in the water. You're like, yeah, I, I used to struggle with porn. And just to see their reaction, I did not find that it was a safe place for me until I stepped foot at Big Valley Grace Community Church at a Celebrate Recovery on a Friday night. And that is where I found safety for me for the first time. I remember for the first time walking in, freaked out of my mind like some of you are tonight, going, what in the world am I doing here? I've got a friend that I, I drug into a uh, step study one time, and uh, we were going around the room saying, hey, what, what brings you here? And I remember him going, and he tells me this after the group. He's like, so I'm sitting there going, are we really doing this? Are we really doing this? Are we really doing this? Is everyone really sharing everything? And then it gets to him, and he goes, okay, I guess we're doing this, and he was all in. And he confessed his sin for the first time out loud, and it was a huge place of freedom. That's what I found. And the first thing that I found is when I walked from the large group, which is what we're in, and we stepped foot into the open share group, I was met with five guidelines that helped me be safe. They helped me feel safe because I needed a parameter. I needed something to say, hey, this is what we're working with. This is how we're going to keep you safe, Scott, because I was not going to share a darn thing. I mean, I've been caught, but I wasn't going to share anything to anybody that I didn't have to share. So here's the first guideline that we have. Keep your sharing focused on your own thoughts and feelings and limit your sharing to three to five minutes. That is crucial. We keep it about ourselves. I'm not there to talk about my wife. Now, my wife is crazy. According to me, everybody else thinks she's awesome and amazing, but me, she's crazy, and that's because I'm crazy. But here's the thing. I'm not there to tell my group all the stuff that she does. I'm there to talk about me. I'm there to discuss my issues, how I'm applying recovery to my life, and I keep it short and abbreviated and not a long story, and I can tell long stories. <clears throat> the first thing is you limit it three to five minutes. We do this to keep it short, concise, to the point, keep us focused. I'm ADD. I can cover 20 subjects in like no time, but I got three to five minutes, so I got to keep it focused. It's not a vomit session. It's not a session for me to dump all my garbage and baggage of my life on everybody sitting in the room because I can vomit just like when you vomit, you feel great afterwards. Unless it's a hangover and then that's a whole different story. But you guys know what I'm talking about. But here's the thing is I know in my life there's times that all I want to do is vomit. The group is not set up for that purpose. Yes, there's times in our life that we can do that. But when that's a recurring pattern in our life, we want to hear what God's doing in your life and the experience, strength, and hope that he's sharing. Don't be a group hog. Don't dominate the group. Give everyone else a chance to share. Our addiction is so much about us. Let our recovery be about learning from others. I know for me, I'm very selfish. 
I've been leading different groups since high school, prayer groups, because I presented as a great spiritual young man. And I know what it's like to go into a group. I know what it's like to share. I know what it's like to dominate. I know what it's like to do all those things so that nobody gets a chance to really see who I am. I can put up my facade. But when I actually stepped foot into that group and I had to shut my mouth for 55 minutes and listen to everybody else in the group, oh my goodness, I started to learn. I was able to listen to them, to hear them. I could grow and mature. And sure, there's some pretty crazy stuff being shared in there. There's some crazy stuff. I know you've heard that crazy stuff in your group. And you all have automatically, once I said that, you're like, yes, I remember that time. You take what you want and you leave the rest. You look for the similarities, the things that are similar. You don't look for the differences. And so we look for those moments. Don't hide in your shares behind spiritual manipulation. I played the game. I memorized scripture. I knew the word of God. I knew how to throw out a Bible verse to hide behind it. For me, it became a smoke screen. Yes, the word of God is powerful. Yes, the word of God is important. But that is not the purpose necessarily for us in Open Share Group to show exactly how spiritual we are. Because it needs to be about us, our recovery, what we're doing. Don't hide behind the spiritual manipulation. The second rule is this, second guideline actually is this, there's no crosstalk. Basically, be polite. Don't be rude. Don't be on your cell phone when somebody else is sharing. Don't be playing Bejeweled or whatever game you're playing. I'm a Clash uh, uh, Royale guy. Don't be playing Clash Royale while everyone else is sharing. Pay attention to them. Look them in their eyes. I remember sitting in group one time and this guy's sharing and I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm an amazing pen clicker, by the way. I think I could go to the Olympics for it. And I'm sitting there and I'm just going, I'm just going crazy on this, on this pin. And all of a sudden he stops his share and he goes, are you kidding me? Can you stop that? I was like, oh, sorry. Don't be rude. Be polite. Don't be distracting, right? One of the great things that can be distracting and we don't get it, and I've been in a group before, but by the way, I went to an unnamed group and I was sitting there for my issues and I'm sitting there, and this guy walks in with a bag of McDonald's and opens it up and starts eating it in group. Everything in within me was I was going through withdrawals at that moment, smelling those French fries, the salty goodness of those French fries. But here's the thing. Don't be rude. If you want to eat, eat before, eat after. I encourage you not to bring food into group. It can be very distracting if you're hungry and you're coming straight from work. Uh, make sure you get everyone's permission before you do that, but just don't distract with that. Children, another thing, man. Now, I wish we had childcare, but we don't. I get it. And on some levels, I haven't talked to my TAAM. We got to figure out a solution because there's people that are coming with their little ones like this and they can't go to open share group. Now, you drug your kids through addiction. Sometimes we need to drag, drag, drag them through recovery. And so uh, <clears throat> that might be a solution. I don't know. I got to talk to my team about that. I got my own thoughts and feelings, but sometimes I'm wrong. The third one is this, is we are here to support one another, not fix each other. 
Your thinking got you in these rooms. My thinking got myself in this room. I got a thinking problem. I got stinking thinking. I have a whack brain. Ask my wife. I'm crazy. And there's things that she's like, seriously? We'll be in fights. And she's like, really? What? Ha- what? And <clears throat> I don't get it, but my brain's crazy. And so here's the thing. Who am I to tell somebody else what to do in group? That's not my place. That's not my responsibility. I know I'm the pastor of the recovery ministries. And so you would think I'd be able to walk in a group and fix everyone. No, I don't. I shut my mouth. I listen to them. And if they say something super crazy, I pray for them right there in my head. Not out loud. I trust that the Holy Spirit that has done the work within me is the same Holy Spirit that's going to do the work within them. And that's huge. I don't have to be the Holy Spirit anymore. The Holy Spirit can be the Holy Spirit. And so I let him do his work. If I have a burning desire and somebody truly does say something and I feel like I have something that might be able to help them and assist them, I don't share it in group. What I do is I wait till after group. And when we're taking our walk back, I make sure that I come alongside them and I said, hey, you shared something tonight and I think I have a thought. May I, may I share something with you? I'm asking permission to step into their life and they have a, a, an opportunity now to say no or yes. As a food addict, I get a lot of people offering me solutions. A lot of solutions. Hey, have you tried this diet? Hey, have you done the Atkins? Hey, have you done the paleo? Hey, have you become vegan? Hey, have you done this? Have you done that? I try the all-you-can-eat pizza diet, and we'll see what happens. But here's the thing. It's not a diet issue. A compulsive overeater isn't a diet issue because I will compulsively overeat salad. And that is reality for me. And so for you, it may not be that, and you may not want that. And so it's okay to say no. It's okay to reject and say, hey, You know, not at this time. Thank you for the thoughts, though. The fourth and probably the most important guideline is this, anonymity and confidentiality. Who we see here, what's shared here, stays here. Here, here. There's been a few of you. I love that. Anonymity and confidentiality is huge. It's nobody's business who's at this meeting. It's nobody's business what's shared here, and yet the world will tell us that we snitch on people. The world, unless you're uh, one of those people that believe, I say this around my house, snitches get stitches and wind up in ditches. That's what I say. <laughs> and my kids are like, Dad, you're so dumb. I go, I know, but it's okay. Um, the world teaches us that we're gonna take whatever information we have and we're gonna use that against them. But that can't be what happens here on Tuesday night. What's shared in these groups is simply here to be shared is for that person to open up and get the power of that secret out and to share those things and to find healing in those moments. And they have to know that when they share those things, that when they walk out of those rooms, it's gonna stay here in these rooms. And that's vital. I think of the people that come from group homes and they gotta go live with those people that they just shared that stuff with. That's scary. Takes a lot of guts to do that. I'm proud of you ladies. Next thing is this, next guideline is this, is no foul language in a Christ-centered recovery group. Word of God tells us that what we share out of our mouth needs to be edifying and uplifting for teaching, correcting, reproving, but needs to be edifying and do it in a correct way. And so 
we try to keep our words um, on track for those things. And I know that was just a long thing of when you go uh, in and you guys do your reading, but I want to at least share that. Because here's the next part of this. Is what are we looking for in safety? What are you looking for in safety? I, I share guidelines that we have here to try to help that happen, but what are you looking for in safety? What means safety to you? Well, as I began to think about that, the first thing was protection. I want to be protected. And in Genesis chapter 43, verse 9, it says this. I will be a pledge of his safety. From his hand you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. And this is a story where there's a famine in the land. And these brothers go, Dad, we want to take Benjamin, the youngest kid, and we got to go bring him to Pharaoh, and we got to show him to him. And I know our other brother died, but I want you to trust me with this guy. I will protect him. I will keep him safe. Physically, spiritually, Emotionally, I will keep him safe. Psalm chapter five, verse 11 says this, but let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing for joy and spread your protection over them that those who love your name may exalt in you. That we would take refuge in Christ, that we would trust the Lord in our protection in these moments. Because when we walk in these rooms, believe it or not, there's people that walk in those rooms, they walk on this and they may not feel safe. You guys have a history before you walked on this campus. Some of you have a pretty crazy history and have been pretty violent in the past. Whether it be you've been in jail or you were the one putting people in jail and that is a scary place to be when you start walking on this campus and being real and honest. But there needs to be the understanding that physically we're here and we're safe. The next thing is that spiritually we're going to be safe. That whoever we trust the innermost parts of our body with, our soul, that they are not going to spiritually manipulate us or lead us down a path that's going to take us astray. And that's huge. That they're, we're going to be able to trust them with our emotions because there's going to be a time and there's going to be a moment where there's certain people I'm going to choose to share my fourth step with and dude, there's a lot of junk in that. I'm a sick human being. And the fact that I'm going to trust somebody with that is huge. Because what happens if they reject me like all the other times before? What happens if there's one sin that you said, I'm going to carry this to my grave, you tell somebody and they prove you right, that you, everybody's untrustworthy? That is dangerous. But I want you to know, there is safety here at Celebrate Recovery. The next thing besides protection is that we want somebody to have understanding. We want them to understand who we are and what we've been through. Hebrews chapter 4 verses 15 and 16 say this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then 
with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The God of the universe, Jesus Christ, can have sympathy for us and understand us. He sympathizes with us. In other words, I can trust him and he can relate to me. And the people that you start to entrust your life with along this journey, you need to be able to trust them and they need to be able to relate to you. Hence, we find sponsors that have similar issues as us. It might be weird for me as a sex addict, food addict to go find somebody who's a gambling addict and have them be my sponsor or have somebody who's a chemical addict and have them be my sponsor. It might be a little different. Now, I understand if it's an area that we don't have sponsors here. I get that. But ultimately, we want to find somebody who understands, who's walked that road that we've walked and that we can trust them because we see the result of their life and the fruit of the Holy Spirit in their life. And we trust that God is going to do amazing things in us. Not only are they understanding, but also that through that understanding, they don't sit back and judge us. They're not judge and jury. They don't sit back there waiting and go, mm, I knew it. They don't sit there and go, perv. They don't say that. They don't say sicko. They don't do any of that stuff. They simply sit and listen and love you. They care about you. They don't sit there and when you share something that when you blew it again, when you, when you fell again, when you relapsed again, when you, when you did things like that, they don't sit there and condemn you. They simply open their arms and say, welcome back, love you, glad you're here, you're in the right spot. Let's get back and let's keep going. Let's keep working. They have empathy towards you. In other words, if you were to fall in a hole, they're not the person that's sitting there at the top of the hole going, hey, climb out! What's wrong with you? What they do is they get down in that hole with you. They understand what that hole is like. They get it and they sit next to you. They put your arm around them and they say, hey, let me help you get out of this hole. One day at a time, one moment at a time, one step at a time, one meeting at a time, let's go. And they help you. And you walk and you follow after them. So not only do they have the fact that they are protecting you and the fact that they have understanding, but they actually have compassion for you or companionship for you. That here's, here's Psalm 88 verse 18 and it says this, you have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. King David was in a dark spot where he had looked and all the people that were close to him had basically stabbed him in the back. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but it's happened to me. And I hope it doesn't happen to you. But David was there and he said this later on in Proverbs. It says this in, in 17.9. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. How many times in our marriages do we keep repeating the same thing over and over and over again? Instead of forgiving them instead of covering up that offense. Acts 27 verse three says this, the next day we put in at Sidon and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. 
We want somebody who's going to have companionship with us, that's going to come alongside of us and going to care for us. It's not a duty. They're caring for us. They offer us forgiveness. They offer us that soul bond that we talked about with David and Jonathan because so many of us claim and say we're lonely and yet we haven't had an opportunity to truly connect with somebody else. And that's one of the things we desire. And through this process, we find unity with the body of Christ and with others around us. So tonight, let me encourage you with this. We value some pretty big things around here and safety is one of those things. And it's a tall order. I want you to ask yourself, are you somebody that's safe? Are you somebody that's helping produce safety for others around you? Or are you somebody that gossips and breaks some of the things we talked about in tonight? I hope that you're somebody that's providing safety for others. I know I desire that. I've done my share of mess-ups in the past and made it unsafe for people. I remember seeing people walk in and be like, hey, how's it going? I know you. And they're like, uh, uh. And they're like, I never see him again. And I go, ooh, that wasn't good. Was not good at all. And so I hope and I pray that you're able to help me and the leadership team here make this a safe place for everybody to attend, for everybody to get healing so we can continue the process in this journey together. Why don't you guys stand and we'll close with the serenity prayer together. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Amen. Hey, first time guest right over on the grassy knoll. Second time guest right up front. Uh, we'll see you guys afterwards for dessert. Love you guys. <laughs>